Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes right here in Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Sandra Bartlett from Stairway to Dreams. Before we settle into the show today, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast. I know that you're going to love Sandy's story of doing whatever it takes to break through and to succeed. And if you're a return listener, welcome back. It's great to have you here. We love our repeat offenders at the Go All In podcast, as always. All right, make sure you just peek at your phone as you're listening in there and just hit that subscribe button quickly on on the app that you're listening in on. And that way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always have some inspiration in your pocket as we release a new episode every couple of days. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button there as well. And if you hit the bell, YouTube will send you an alert and you'll never miss an episode as they come out there as well if you want to watch the video. One last thing, If you like what you hear today, please share this with your friends and family. Sandy has a touching story that needs to be heard. And if we can just help one person break through their barriers, just helping one person and do the same as what Sandy did, then that can only be a good thing. That's the whole reason this podcast exists, to share the message, to get it out there and to help and reach as many people as possible. So make sure you share this podcast far and wide, please. Alrighty, let's get into the show with Sandy. Have you ever been in a role, maybe a relationship or a job where you feel invisible, like your opinions and your contributions just don't matter? I think at some stage we all have, it's part of the human experience, but some people get trapped in that space. Our guest today played the corporate game for more than 20 years and one day it all came to an end when unexpectedly her position was made redundant. Now, the Goal-In show, it's often about transitions, but most of the time, a transition like that is by choice. And this time, in Sandy's case, she just didn't have a choice about keeping her job or not. But what she did do was to position herself to follow her passion and her life's purpose. And when her corporate career came to an end, it was almost as if it was meant to be. Now, don't get me wrong, it was hard. There was definitely some soul searching, but ultimately Sandy broke through to find her true purpose in life. You're going to love Sandy's go all in story. She takes us on a journey and in the process, she shares with us the lessons that she's learned from her commitment to not only success, but more importantly to herself. I'm excited she's here. So please help me in welcoming Sandy Bartlett. Sandy Bartlett, welcome to the go all in podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks, Rob. Well, before we get into this craziness of the, the go-all-in mindset and into your story, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell the, the listeners and the viewers, where are you from and, and what's your background? Um, actually, originated from central Victoria, but now living in Sydney and been here for 20 years. Been in the corporate world and took an opportunity to step out and do something for myself a little while ago now. So Excellent. a mum of four and so on, like many of us. What, what's the background in the, in the corporate world? Are they, where did you work? Credit union industry for 25 years. So banking. Yes. Or is it banking or credit union? What's uh, banking, credit union, it's all the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Are, are they all a bunch of crooks like the Royal Commission says or is it all right? Oh, gee, I need to be careful with that, don't I, Rob? I've got to ask a loaded <laughs> podcaster question. Come on. <laughs> uh, look, I'd like to say that the credit, and I will back that the credit union movement is more about the actual member um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the shareholder. 
which is what the banking industry is is very focused on. So right. credit unions all the way for me. Love it, love it. Well, well, very diplomatic answer. Well, well, <laughs> well played the politician on the other side of the microphone there. I'm in, I'm impressed. Well done, well done. Hey, uh, where did this coaching thing start for you? Had you seen some other people that were coaching and thought, hey, I could do that? Or is that something that was always on your radar as an individual? Or did you kind of fall into it serendipitously? Mm, something I went searching for for myself. Yeah, um, got into the, yeah, Something searching for for myself more than anything, Rob, and all came about a few years ago, which I'll share with you later on. Yeah, very nice, very nice. I'm not sure how I kind of came to love what I do with podcasting, but I wish I found it years ago. Um, It's one of those things for me that, you know, I've heard another funny analogy I've heard recently is one of my mates moved to Queensland recently from New South Wales, and he's like, oh my God, I feel like I lost 10 years of my life down in Sydney. I wish I had have found it sooner. Is, is coaching something that you wish you had have found sooner as well? Oh, most definitely, Rob. Most definitely. It wasn't until I actually got into it that I realised that probably as most parents been doing this most of my life, but didn't give it a label right? Um, and didn't give it the recognition that it deserved. And if there was one thing I could change, yes, yeah, would have taken on coaching a lot, lot, lot sooner than what I did. Very nice. I love the way you described it there as kind of parenting in some ways. You, you can't put that in your LinkedIn profile. It won't connect. <laughs> exactly. Professional parents will pull you into line. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. All right, Sandra, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your uh, story and your background there on the front end of the podcast. People come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, Sandra, could you please Share with us your biggest goal in story or stories and the lessons you've learned from your commitment to success. Oh, wow, Rob. Where do we start? This is a Um, good one. This is a ripper. I'm really looking forward to this. (laughs) I'm going to take you back quite some time. I grew up in central Victoria and I was one of three children. And I was the middle child. And I can still remember a phrase that my mum shared with me on a very regular basis. And it was a phrase that was... Don't rock the boat, go with the flow. And in hindsight now, that particular phrase, that particular quote has shaped my entire life. I grew up in central Victoria and, of course, being in a small country town that I was, um, my whole goal was get married, have some children, you know, work locally and whatnot. And I did exactly that. I started a relationship when I was 14 years old and that childhood sweetheart relationship became a relationship of 25 years. And that also seen my then husband and I join the army. And when I say my husband and I joined the army, it really is a life choice. Mm-hmm. And that began to shape where I was. But I still constantly had this quote running off in the back of my head about don't rock the boat, Sandy, go with the flow. So consequently, being a defence spouse for over 28 years, I actually learned to put everybody else's priorities way before my own. So I would pack up the children and pack up the house on a regular basis every three to four years and we would move around Australia, the whole time supporting my husband's dream, my husband's journey and making a life for us as a family at every place that we settled in. This come with lots of trials and tribulations and lots of times where I had to say no to what I might have wanted to do. Can, can, you, can you tell us some stuff that 
kind of impacted because it's not all bad. It's, you know, it's sometimes it's exciting. It's really cool. But, you know, that excitement wears out really quickly when you don't get to do what it is that you want to do. Are there some things that you can remember that really stood out to you? Definitely, Rob. Look, I've been a professional person for a long time and had a desire to have a career for a long time. But unfortunately, being a defence spouse, there wasn't a great opportunity to do that because with mm. moving every four years or so, employees would be a bit sceptical of taking you on. So that impacted my ability to have an impact in the career side of my life, which meant that my own personal development, my, my ability to know what I was capable of, was, was cut off. It was, it was kept quite short. For a better description, it was kept in a can. Mm. So that in itself made a huge impact. I, I didn't step up in that professional side of my life the way that I thought and the way that I had visioned. What did that create? Mm, a lot of disappointment, a lot of anger, um, and a sense of, can I do this? A real sense of self-doubt, a real sense of, Am I good enough to do this? And and that impacted everything. Like I was a great mum and I still am a great mum. <laughs> um, that hasn't changed at all. And there were some really great things I did whilst I was doing that. I ran childcare centres. I was involved in the community services side of the Defence Force, supporting other families, supporting other parents. But most importantly, on the basis that we were living on, developing playgrounds and playgroups and things like that. Um, as a level of support. So although I wasn't involved in a professional career, I was definitely partaking in adding value wherever I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Rob, the joy, of, the joy of being able to move around is we played visitor. We played tourist in all the places that we were in for quite some time. That in itself is a gift. You know, it comes with its own trials and tribulations living in, you know, living in central Queensland when you've got your family in Victoria and something goes wrong, as we all know, that's really difficult. But it's one of those things that when that happens, you literally roll up your sleeves and do whatever it is that you need to do to get to wherever you need to get. And it's not until these times now that I look back on some of those things and I truly appreciate those learnings now, but was not aware of them at the time. Yeah, at the time they probably sucked. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> well, that's putting it very politely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially the, the disposition from your friends and family, your loved ones in a support network because the military has a great support network, but it's just limited in its capacity and you're limited in who you can lean on and what you can do and things like that. It's, it's very, very, very hard, very challenging. And it can be very stifling in regards to friendships. Mm. It's... Um, to a degree, it's, it's reasonably easy for the guys when they move or the person that's in the Defence Force when they move because they go to work at a new unit and they come home and they've already got friends. Mm. They meet up with Jack or Joan or Jane who they've seen somewhere else. Mm. Whereas the family unit itself, that doesn't happen quite so quickly for the wife or for the children. If the children are school age, then that development of friendship and relationship happens quite quickly because they go off to school. And, of course, they don't have the inhibitions that we do. Hmm. So they catch up and come home and they've got five or six different friends. However, mum or the spouse doesn't find it quite so easy to break in. Hmm. As you can appreciate, we are very, in that particular environment, you're very nomadic. So there are times where you don't want to get too close 
because you develop that closeness, that relationship, that trust and security, and bingo, there's a posting order. Mm. And you need to pack up everything and you need to move on. And it's a little bit of that old saying, out of sight, out of mind. You only get from a friendship what you prepare to put in. And distance doesn't always save you those sorts of things. So that is another layer of, am I really worth this? Am I good enough? Do they care? If I get too close, will they walk away from me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very difficult circumstance to be in. I was lucky in the military when I was in the ADF. I didn't really move around much. The furthest that I got posted away was to Nowra. And we had visitors down there every other weekend because we're from Sydney. And at the time, my wife's family would come down every now and then. My, my mum and dad would come frequently because we had little kids. So it was kind of within reach. But yeah, you, you, you're quite right. I, I remember it being really hard for my partner at the time where, you know, she, we had little kids and there's only so much of little kids you can do. You need to do something adult as mm. well. And she went and worked at the local restaurants and um, she went and got herself a job and did all the things that, you know, that a, that a person does to make the most of their opportunity. But I, I can remember thinking that, yeah, this is kind of hard for her. This is difficult for her. And it's all right for me. I was going to work and, and loving every second of my job. And there she was kind of at home with the kids all day. And I'd come home and help out and do whatever. And she would go to work and, and do her thing as well. But just a very, very limited opportunity in a small country town like where we were at the time. Just difficult, very difficult. Mm, most definitely. And, and that difficulty is even highlighted even more when the boys go away, when the guys go away and they're on, on you know, exercise and things like that, where they're gone from eight to 12 weeks. Mm. You're, as the spouse, you're there 24-7 doing everything that you need to do to keep a family going. And when I say everything, I mean everything, you know, mowing lawns, weeding gardens, feeding dogs, taking kids to and froing, all those sorts of things that you're doing, but you haven't got a partner to rely on. Mm. You haven't got somebody to kick back, have that cup of tea or that drink with in the night time when the kids have gone to bed. Mm. And one of the hardest times I ever found was always the weekends because even if we called in to see somebody, you always felt like a third wheel. So that was one of the hardest, that was one of the most difficult times. As I said to you before, in hindsight, I had so many learnings then. <laughs> in, yeah, so, so many learnings. And there was so much there for me to be proud of and to acknowledge myself for. Didn't do that for many years because I was so in it. And when you tend to be in it, you don't tend to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, mm. I interrupted you there when you're in the flow of your story, but I wanted to to go there just to kind of highlight that defense force doesn't just mean the people in, Yeah, it means the families. And and you're quite right to say that you were in the army as well. That is no truer statement. One, one final thing that I would add to that. I remember, and I think we all remember people listening to this podcast, what, where you were when you saw nine 11 happen. And I was at, I was at home and I was in the army at the time and my son was very small. And I remember we lived in Menai, just probably about 15 kilometers from Holsworthy army base. And I can remember sitting down in a lounge, clicking the, the telly on in the morning before I went to work, just going, well, what the hell? And then my missus there and my son there and just thinking, well, I guess that's it. Right. And 
thinking that we were going to get spun up and off we go overseas. And, and it turns out the Americans, and a lot of people know this, but the Americans did ask us to go. They asked us to go in the first wave in Afghanistan. They wanted us to actually go and jump in with them. Um, that, was the, that was the scuttlebuck. I don't know if it's actually 100% true, but just before that had happened, we were training with some American paratroopers from Alaska and they were penned in to go. And they said, we want those Aussie guys to go with us as well. And let's go and do this together. And we didn't, we never went because we couldn't get there. It's ridiculous. Mm. And like everything that you want to do as a soldier, I just kind of went away because the air force couldn't support us and we just didn't have the capacity to get there. And I think it was all happening a little bit too fast for the Australian government to make a decision anyway. You know, they don't make rash decisions about committing regular infantry forces. It took a long time to do that in Afghanistan. But, you know, to, to your, to your very point of, you know, she was in the army with me and she would have, went with me on that trip had I have been deployed on that trip and unfortunately I wasn't I didn't get to go on that trip I didn't get to go to Afghanistan but if I had have she would have come along for the ride you know mentally emotionally and she would have carried the scars of that as well which is um, something that's not acknowledged enough so I just wanted to take another second there to acknowledge that as well because you know for, for every soldier that's out there doing their thing and kicking indoors and taking down names there's a whole range of people, friends and family behind them that are supporting them and that are doing it with them as well. Most definitely. And they also do it with them when they get home. Yeah. That's, and that hard, is something that's the hard bit right there. Yes. That's the yeah. really hard bit. It really is because you've got children that change. They push you to, the, to their limits for about the first month or so that the parent is away. And then they settle into a bit of a routine. But then they go crazy for about a week or so leading up to dad coming back and mm. then it's mayhem for the first week. So <laughs> yeah. And it's a whole resettling period mm. for, for the kids as much as it is for the defense member. Yeah. They've been away for weeks on end where they've only really to a degree had to consider themselves. And mm. then they come back to this unit or to this family unit where, hang on, we want something from dad or from mum. If mm. mum happens to be the defense person, we want something from this person. We haven't seen them for X amount of time. And all of a sudden, they too can feel like they're a little bit claustrophobic, a little bit limited and, and squashed in that particular environment. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's really, yeah. really important that you share that story. And thank you for sharing that. It's, it's great to hear your perspective from it as well. And, and how, how many years was it in the end? It's like 20 years, right? Uh, 28 years. 20, 20. Of being in the military? Yes. Wow. Yes. That's a long career. Yeah. Yeah, so you were in the army for 28 years. <laughs> yeah, didn't get a pension though. <laughs> Makes my little percent 10 years look like nothing. Uh, look, <laughs> it was um, a couple of different things, Rob. I was, um, as I said, the, my first relationship went for 25 years and I chose to step out of that relationship. That was one of the hardest choices I've ever made in my life. And to this day, I still can't tell you where that courage came from, but I know that it is within. Mm -hmm. um, stepped away for many different reasons. But, of course, when I did step away shortly after that, I met a, a gentleman who is now my husband and is absolutely amazing. And he too was in the forces. <laughs> so went a little bit longer stint with him, but he was in a, um, he was in a much more settled field. Mm -hmm. And I had then made the decision that if you get posted, I'm not going. You were going to get out of the army. Yes. You were I out. made that decision to get out. So, yeah. and that was, I was already in my 
in my credit union days by then because children had grown up and gone off to school and things like that. So I was in, already in the credit union movement by then. And I had worked my way up from being a part-time teller, having a, a mother's dream job of working from 10 till 2 Monday to Friday. <laughs> um, every mum dreams of that when the kids are little. Yeah. I was already doing that and I was already starting to make some inroads and I was looking and staring down the path of being a branch manager in a very short period of time. So consequently, I had made that decision that I was settled, I was staying right where I was. So very early in the piece of that relationship, there was a conversation around, if you go, I'm not. So, yeah, so that journey went on for a little bit longer and then he stepped out of the army now as a private contractor, but that also cemented the fact that I could then put my head down and my bottom up and chase the career that I had wanted all my life. Mm-hmm. How old were your kids by that stage? Had they, had they um, I, in high school or they... My eldest son was 15 and my youngest son was 12. Okay, so, so they're still pretty young. Yeah, still, still pretty young going through that whole puberty thing. Mm. But, you know, there was a, a few things that we put in place there to make sure that the boys achieved and got what they needed to get. And one of those for me was ensuring that the boys knew that I hadn't fallen out of love with them, I had fallen out of love with their dad. Mm-hmm. And that I would be there for them through every step of the way, every hurdle that they had, they knew that they could reach out to mum and mum was still there. So, and that was extremely important to me to make sure that they had everything that they needed. However, in saying that, when I stepped out of that relationship, Rob, I actually stepped out and I left my children behind. Mm, it's normally the other way, right? It is, it is. And as I said, the courage that that took is something I can't describe. Mm-hmm. All I knew was that, I wasn't emotionally or financially in a place that I could give them what they needed. Mm. I could give them my love. I could give them my support, but I couldn't give them the financial side of it that they needed. I needed to have a space and a time there where I could find out who I was, who Sandra the person was, who I wasn't a wife anymore. I wasn't, I was still a mum, but I I wasn't a mum. I needed time and space for me to find out who I was. And I started to do some of that and was, was really enjoying that. But then, of course, I found this gorgeous gentleman that is now my husband. And, you know, all of a sudden that too sort of stopped a little bit. However, there were some real decisions that I made then. One was I was getting out of the army. Two was I was going to start to say yes to what it was that I wanted to do and explore and do some things around that side of it. So I did that and I did that for a number of years and I did it quite adequately. But then falling into another relationship, I inherited two more boys. So I finished up being a mum to four boys. (laughs) And that in itself, as you can appreciate, then limited how much time and space I had to find out who I was. So you pick up the bongos and you get stuck into this career path. And looking back in hindsight, I didn't see my children grow up. Being in that corporate area, I was in and out of meetings. I was working all day and networking all night and going to study this and doing that and things Mm. like that. And there was many times, Rob, where I put my career before I put my boys, Mm. before I put my family. And it wasn't until I was probably 10 years down that track that I thought I'd dealt with all the anger, all the closed off, all the limiting of stepping out of that marriage, I thought I'd dealt with all of that. But it wasn't until 10 years or more down the track 
that I felt that starting to enclose again. People were making decisions for me and I was hearing, Sandy, don't rock the boat, go with the flow. So consequently, I let them make those decisions for me. But then I experienced anger. I experienced disappointment. And I experienced a sense of where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Where do I get the time and the chance to do what I want and to speak up for me? And how did that then start to play out? In all of my relationships, I became assertive. I became angry. And most importantly, that played out in my career and ultimately finished up costing me my career. Did you know what you wanted? That's, that's kind of the, the question that I have in there is when, you, when you're starting to feel like a bit of a, a caged tiger, so to speak, that's because you're trying to express something. You're trying to get something out. And sometimes you're unable to get something out because you're unable to articulate what it is that you want. I don't know what I want. If someone asks me, what do you, well, what do you want? Well, I don't know what I want. Well, what are you so upset about? Well, I don't know what I'm so upset about, but I feel like this. And I'm telling you how I feel. You know, that's the argument that many people have had before, right? Like, geez, why are you so crabby all the time? What's wrong? Like, why do you get up on the wrong side of the bed? That's a, that's a familiar thing, right? Mm, most definitely, Rob. In hindsight, I now know at the time I didn't know what I wanted. I knew I wanted to not be the person I was, mm. but I didn't know how to go about changing it. Mm. Mm. And it wasn't until I started to go down that path of, how can I change this? Can I change this? Or is this just what life is? And that's when I started to discover coaching. Right. Got on the internet as we do these days and I put in some words and different things started to pop up. Why am I so cranky all the time? It's because you don't know what you want. <laughs> Get clear on what you want. Tony Robbins screaming in my earphones for some reason. I don't know. What's he so, what's he so cranky about? That he's yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's when I discovered uh, an organisation that I finished up committing to down the track. But all of a sudden, when I started to get interested in that, the credit union movement at the same time was going through a really big change in their regularities, their legislation, compliance, all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So my employer then taps me on the shoulder and said, Sandy, we need you to do this particular qualification And we need you to bring your team of 14, 15 frontline managers with you. And I sort of went, here we go again. And I went, but hang on a minute. That's not what I want to study. I don't need to study that. What was it? What were they Um, asking you to do? They were asking you to do frontline management and a diploma in finance and banking. Like to get a mortgage university qualification. Yeah, a a recognised qualification Mm. that basically gave me a list of competencies to say that I could do something I'd been doing for years. I was going to say, yeah, but you've been doing the job for 20 years. You just didn't exactly. tick the box. like Exactly. Yeah. And anyway, I, I piped up and I said, well, but hang on, I don't, I don't need to do this. I don't want to do this. Mm. And my answer was, Sandy, it's really simple. You either do this or you don't have a job. They gave you an ultimatum after all that time. Gosh. So consequently. That makes you feel undervalued, right, when somebody uh, does it to you. Badly. Undervalued, unmotivated. You yeah. name it, it was there. Yeah. But there was also that one quote there again. Sandy, don't rock the boat. Just go with the flow. And did you? I did. 
And how so, did that work? How did that work out for you? <laughs> uh, I'll share that one with you. <laughs> for the next two years, I literally put my head down, my bottom up. I played the part of the leader, and my team and myself got through those entire diplomas. We all walked out of that particular training segment altogether. But there was one difference for Sandy during that time. She stepped out of there, and a month later, she said to her executive. I'm now going to study something that I want. And if it doesn't fit into what you want me to do, we're going to have to have a discussion. Mm. And of course, in that two years that I'd been studying, I'd still been searching and following the coaching organization as well. So I was doing lots of reading in two elements throughout that period of time. And it was the month or six weeks after I'd completed that course that I actually committed to a one day event with the college. And I went to that one-day event and, Rob, I came away from that one-day event wanting to change the world. <laughs> you, you, discovered, you discovered like freedom. You discovered something that you wanted to do that was aligned with your values and with your view of the world and whatnot, right? Oh, most definitely. It was something that was exciting me deeper in, in my tummy than I had ever been excited in my entire life. Mm. So consequently, I did that one day that one day intensive and then what did I do? I came back and got the application form and I committed to being a, an accredited certified coach. Mm -hmm. You went you went all in, baby. You oh, in. I went all in. I jumped <laughs> in. I jumped in. But I jumped in for at that particular moment what I thought was a really profound reason. Mm. I knew I wasn't being the leader that I could be. So consequently, I wanted to go and do this certification and then bring all of that learning back to my team. The only proviso that I put on it was I did not want their financial help or any of their financial support. Mm. And when I brought that up with my executive officer, he said to me, but Sandy, why don't you want our support? And for the first time ever, Rob, I spoke up and I said, because this is my journey, not yours, and you can't control it. Mm. And even now, as I sit here and I repeat those words, my tummy flips <laughs> because it's not it, at that stage. It was not something that I said on a regular basis. Mm. So consequently I get this beautiful big package in the mailbox and it's got all these learning um, folders and things like that in. So excitement takes over for me. And then my husband and I went away on a 16 day trip to New Zealand in four wheel, in a um, motorhome. That was, that was a that was crazy time. It was awesome. Anyway, we came back from our trip and I went back into work, but something had changed and I picked up that something had changed. I went back to work. I went back into my office and then I get a ping in the email box. Sandy, there's an executive meeting happening on Thursday afternoon at 4.30 in the afternoon. And I went, my oh, yeah, ear, okay, well, that's no different. So anyway, I just went through my week, catching up on emails, catching up with staff as you do when you've been away for a little while. And the 14th of December, 2013 rolled around. And that was the Thursday afternoon. Four o'clock came. I tidied up my office, got ready for the management meeting that was happening at 4.30. And I went into the, uh, went up to go to the boardroom and the executive officer's office was next door to the boardroom. So I got to the boardroom and there's nobody there. And I'm thinking, but hang on a minute, 4.30, we're supposed to have a meeting. And I walked into the boardroom and I thought, oh, yeah, and I put my things on the boardroom table and thought, oh, they're just running late. They'll be here in a minute. 
And five minutes or so passed by and I walked back out of the boardroom. An executive officer was walking out of his office and he said, oh, Sandy, come on in here. And I went, but hang on, haven't we got a, a management meeting? He goes, oh, yeah, that, that's okay. Come in here. They're, um, they've been caught up. It'll be fine. And as I walked into that office, there was a stranger, a, gent- a gentleman sitting over to my far left in the corner. And when I saw that gentleman, I thought to myself, what the devil's going on here? Um, I'd been around those sorts of scenarios before and I thought, well, okay, something's playing out here. So I sat opposite the CEO um, in his office and he started having a bit of a conversation and the whole time my tummy is flipping and I'm thinking, what the devil's going on here? And he sat there across from his office and uh, across from myself and he said to me, Sandy, he said, You've just come back from leave, he said, and we've done some, some thinking while you've been away. And I need to inform you that your role is being made redundant. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I sat back for 30 seconds or more and I must have had a stunned look on my face because in that 30 seconds and a few minutes going on from there, he continued to say, Sandy, it's okay, we're going to look after you. We'll retrain you, get you a new resume. We'll look after you and support you to get a new role. It's all about you. We'll look after you. It's all about you. And what I did is I sat, I'm lucky if I'm five foot two, but I feel like I sat up to 10 foot tall and I simply said, thank you. And a huge smile broke across my face that I've never experienced in my life before. I simply said, thank you, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a coach. And today I sit here in front of you and I am a coach. Mm. And with that, went on to say to my general manager, please don't sit across the desk and patronise me and say to me that it's all about me. I have been part of your leadership team for the last eight years to the day, I would like to add, and you can't tell me that this doesn't affect you. We've had a friendship, we've had a professional friendship as well, and we have respect for each other. So please don't sit there and patronise me and tell me it's all about me. Mm. With that, he got up and he came around to the same side of the desk that I was and extended his hand and said to me, Sandy, congratulations, I know you'll make a great coach. (laughs) He knew. Then he proceeded to escort me off the premises. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I had a company car, I had a mobile phone, I had a laptop. I thought I had it made. Anyway, he said to me, is there anybody that you need me to contact? And I went, no, not at all. Nobody died. I just lost my job. I'm <laughs> but, good. Yes. I picked up my handbag, picked up the keys and whatnot. He escorted me off the property. I got in the car. I drove home. I was pulling up in the driveway at home as my, as my husband arrived home. And normally the company car would go in the garage. But on this particular night, I parked it on the opposite side of the driveway, opened the garage and told him to put his car in the garage. And with that, he's come across to my car, opened the door and he said to me, how come you not put your car in the garage? I went, oh, no, it can stay on the driveway. It doesn't matter. And he looked at me and he said to me, what's going on? He said, what's happened? (laughs) And I stepped out of my car, standing all five foot two, being 10 foot tall, (laughs) I stood there and I said to him, I said, well, I just lost my job. I've just been made redundant. And with that, he put his arms on my shoulders and with his touch and the security that that gave me, that's when the world truly fell out from under me. 
And I stood in his arms and I said, what's wrong with me? Why has this happened to me? And he said to me, he said, it's not you, love. He said, it's just the environment. It's just what's happening. Mm. Um, Consequently, I got myself together. I shared it with my family. My two boys were extremely angry to begin with. They said, mum, you gave so much of yourself. You gave so much of us to that role. Why have they done this to you? And it was something I couldn't answer them. But the one thing I could say to them was, it's okay. I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to be the best damn coach that there is around. And, you know, the more I said that, Rob, the more I came to believe it. But my passion, my commitment, it's never wavered. Mm. Never wavered at all. And it even got to the point that a few months later down the track, there were discussions around, if you don't get on board with me here and support me on this, then step off, but step off altogether. Mm. What I do today is a legacy. What I do today is my everything. If I can't be doing what I'm doing today, I sit here with a very open heart and a very honest comment of, I don't want to breathe. Mm. What's gone on since then? That was November 2013. For the next four months, I put my head down, my bottom up, and I studied, and I got my certification, I got my accreditation. Oh, boy, I can't even begin to tell you the leaders of tears that I shed, the soul-searching that I've done, the pulling down of walls that I've done, the acknowledgement, the embracement of who I am. What I've learned in hindsight and in the moment It's profound. Mm. It has, and I say it with a huge open heart, it has made me the lady that I am today, but it has also made me and given me the depth of coaching and acknowledgement and belief that I have in each and every person that crosses my path. Mm. We are a soul. We are a being for a reason. And if there's one thing I can share with people, is we are given the ability to communicate. Why are we given the ability to communicate? So that we can ask and share with people what it is that we need. Why do we need to share that? Because if I can't share with you what I need or expect of you, how do I ever give you the chance to meet that for me? And can I share with you, that is so profound in itself across our relationships with employers, with friends, with family, with our intimate partners. But what about ourselves? Mm. I didn't know what I expected of myself. I didn't know the lady I wanted to be. I didn't know who I wanted to be from one day to the next. But I tell you what, now that I know, I too can meet my own expectation. Mm. It's a, it's a, a very, very touching and heartfelt story and and thank you so much for sharing it you know podcasting is the ideal uh, medium to be able to share something like that and and it is a a beautiful story I I, I can't help but feel some kind of connection to what you were talking about because you're not just describing your story you're describing thousands of people's stories of playing the game is the way that I describe that when you when you have a job and, and you work in a big corporate organization whose sole purpose for existence is money and the, and the bottom line and you end up being a cog in that corporate wheel, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing because you might be a shareholder of that company and those cogs in that corporate wheel 
help you with your investments and it helps you live a good life. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm not dissing a capitalist society that we're in. I'm, I'm all for that. I, you know, I'm the most capitalist person you could ever encounter, believe me. But there's a time to play the game for the corporation and there's time to play the game for yourself. And, and I think people that focus on their career, you end up focusing on all of the things that are not really that important to you. And when the rug's pulled out from under your feet, like it happened to you, then you've really got to go and do that soul searching and it hurts. Soul searching hurts. I, I know you, you would have experienced it when you've seen your partner get out of the military. Transitioning from the military is, is one of the hardest things that you can do. And it's really got nothing to do with the job. It's got a little bit to do with identity because a lot of young, young men, especially young men, identify with their job title. But it's not so much that. It's when you have your mates taken away from you and you're used to being with those people all day, every day, going through adversity and you suffer in adversity, particularly in, a, in an infantry unit like I was in, you suffer more than, more than most um, it's just a different type of experience. It's not really a job. It's more of a, a life and it's a lifestyle and you can only sustain that for such a long time. And when it comes time to leave something like that, whether it's a corporate job and I've had those as well, when you decide you're going to make a transition, it seems to be really, really, really difficult. And in your case, the transition wasn't by choice and all of a sudden everything comes to bear. But I couldn't, I couldn't help but feel like as you're telling that story, and you tell it really well, by the way, it's kind of really kind of captivating. You drew me in. I, I felt like everything that you were working for and towards, you needed the catalyst. And there was a tipping point. And the tipping point was, well, you've been made redundant. Well, thank you. I'm out of here. And like, you're, like you'd positioned yourself correctly. Like it's like right place, right time right role, right, right. Everything was right in history in that moment in time for you because you'd done what you said you would wanted to do and you got yourself there. There's some absolutely really, really strong lessons in there. And for me, the biggest takeaway of that is purely related to don't give your soul to the monolithic corporation. Keep a little bit for yourself. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. And Rob, in that 30 seconds was my choice. Mm. And that's one thing I really want to stress today is choice. I had a choice. I could either transform and grab hold of the opportunity that was sitting there in front of me or I could choose to be the victim. And can I share with you, there were some people in my family that felt that I should have just become a mortgage broker because that's what I'd done forever. Mm. But for me, that would have been me staying as a victim. Mm. Time, time, to, time to move on. Time to, leave, time to leave that behind. There's a time to let go of things. There's a time to quit. There's a time to go all in. But, you know, when you're experiencing all of those emotions, let me ask you, how, how do you know when it's time to let go? Was it just everything can you it's – not, it's not head felt, right? It's purely heartfelt. That's why I love this story so much because I get to share a bit of my heartfelt story as well, which I don't often get to do, so – you know, tell, tell, what did it feel like for you to, to make a heartfelt decision like that? Because being a banker, that's all in your head. It sure is. A heartfelt <laughs> decision like that. I don't think I've ever been more ready to back myself than what I was on that day. Mm. And it is a backing of myself that does not waver. There was, Rob, have you ever experienced a decision that you just know is right? Yes, many times Every, recently, actually. 
Yeah, many times. Everything about you, everything that makes you who you are tells you that this decision is right. That's exactly the feeling that I had. If ever there was a brick wall that was that was and will not be broken down, it's this one. Mm. Because there is something at the very pit of my stomach, at the very core of my being that tells me this is what I should be doing and this is what I am doing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's something happened to me recently and, and I said to my brother, we're, we're best mates, you know, I talk to the guy all the time and um, I said, oh, I think so. I'm worried somebody's going to steal the idea because it's so easy to do. He said, you're an idiot. And I said, what do you mean? And, and, and he said to me, I can't run 100 meters in under 10 seconds because I'm not physically able to do that. And the universe never presented that to me. But the universe has presented this to you, whether you're religious or you're spiritual or whatever, you've been given this opportunity to do this. You're doing it. It's working. Do more of it and don't worry about anybody else because if you wouldn't be here to try and do this or to execute on what it is that you're doing, unless you could, unless you had the ability to do it. And he snapped me out of it. And for, for a couple of weeks, my sales had been in decline and I was like, focusing all of my attention and my energy on, Oh my God, I'm so worried. I can't put it out there. I can't get to scale. It can be this little cottage industry thing that i got going on. But then he kind of like, he kind of grabbed me, you know, by the, you know, he grabbed me by the shoulders and slapped me in the head and like, what are you doing? Nobody's going to take that, you know, and not physically, but that's kind of how he sort of framed it. And that's sort of how I received it as well. And it's, you know, the minute that he did that, I went away. It was like sale, 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 sale. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh my God, now I've got to fulfill Fulfill, 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 fulfill. <laughs> and it's just, it's amazing how much of it's in your head. And you know what, Rob, it's really interesting because we as, as human beings, we all play that game. We all mm. play that card. There is something I'd love to share with you about, about right now is we can sometimes get so focused on what we think we need to be as opposed to appreciating and being truly grateful for who we are. Mm. There's a big and- difference. Most definitely. And quite often when there is significant change happening in somebody's life, somebody that's very close and dear to them becomes what we term in my industry now as a dream snatcher. Mm. A dream snatcher for the audience's benefit is somebody that is close to you but gives you all the reasons why you can't do what it is that you want to do. (laughs) And it is really imperative when you're going through a huge change and making significant change that you're aware of who those people are Mm. because they're the people that you don't actually step away from, but you just be careful who you share with. Mm. And that's the legacy that comes along with significant change because that fear that you have, that you turn into excitement and passion and commitment because you're going through the change, you're controlling the change, but for the people that are in your, in your immediate vicinity, they're fearing that change, mm. fearing the change from their own perspective of, am I good enough to still be with her? Will mm. she still want me or will she outgrow me? And that happens on many different levels. It happens when we have weight loss. They say for every kilo that you lose, you lose friend. <laughs> Um, you know, all those significant sorts of changes come along with that. But the thing is that the person that's going through the change, if they're committed to their change, that won't change them. Mm. That makes them more solid for their change. And that's exactly what happened for myself. The more people told me I couldn't do this, the more determined I am to do it. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not about it's not give a dog a bone, not like that. It's not about that. Oh, the way I love your terminology, dream snatcher. It's very maybe it's not politically correct, but it's very girly. It's <laughs> no, it's I like it. I, I like it because it kind of really identifies. The way I describe it is in the modern world when you're going for something and you're doing for doing something, you put yourself out there, and when you decide to go all in on something. That's why I love this kind of podcast and the mindset of going all in. You, you bring your potential into the now because potential has a future connotation. If I decide I'm going to do this and I'm going to go all in on it, all of the potential that I have comes into the now and that's when you start to achieve. And you have, the way I describe it is not, not dream snatchers, but that's exactly the same thing as what I'm about to say. I call them naysayers. You have haters and you have naysayers and haters as a rule of thumb, don't produce anything. You put a YouTube video up and someone will go, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? And they'll hate on you. And when somebody's hating on you, if you look at that somebody, particularly in social media, you'll find that they produce nothing. They don't produce anything. They don't do anything. So you're out there producing something and you're delivering a message to the world and they're hating on you. It's like, well, hate, all, hate away. You know, haters are going to hate. Taylor Swift said it, right? And it's, and it's quite, it's true. The ones that you're talking about, the dream snatchers, or I call them naysayers, are the ones closest to you. And when somebody tells you why you shouldn't do something or that you can't do something, I feel like they're telling me why they shouldn't do it and why they can't do it. Just because you can't do it, just because you don't want to do that, just because you don't have the skill set or the fortitude or the resilience or the ability to tolerate risk or not having any money because you don't believe in it enough, none of my business don't lay that expectation or that belief on me and that takes a, a lot of i guess social and emotional intelligence to understand that right oh look definitely and it takes a lot of power to be able to do that as well mm. because for many years we've been taught to be the same that's the only way that you're going to belong you need to be in a tribe and everybody needs to be the same hence sandy don't rock the boat mm. stay the same when you step out and you follow a dream like yourself and myself, it's really important that we're around like-minded people. Mm. People that aren't telling us why we can't do it, but people that are asking us, what are you doing next? Mm. How are you going to step up again and again and again? And, you know, one of the greatest things that I've discovered since discovering my own methodology actually around the whole building of confidence and whatnot is that the more that I communicate about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and the value that I'm adding, the quieter the dream snatchers become. <laughs> because it's almost a reflection. <laughs> I, I saw a, I saw, it must be close <laughs> to my favourite meme of the year that I saw on Facey the other day. There's a picture of Grant Cardone, who, by the way, is coming on the Goal in podcast shortly. Oh, yes. It's a pretty good little win. Well done. Uh, not, not confirmed. Just a couple more days, I'll get a confirmation, but we should, should have Grant on the show. So I'm excited about that. But he's standing in front of his, um, in front of his jet and he's making like this funny, like kind of gangster pose. And there's a photo of him and the photo is kind of like, it's not square on landscape. It's like an angle. So you can see the tail of the plane and he fits in it. And he said, this is a photo for everybody said that said that I couldn't. Yes. And 
it's like, yeah. And, you know, it says GC on the tail of his plane. It's his jet. You know, I, I don't have an ambition to have a jet like that. Yeah, that's kind of cool what he does. And I love what he does. I love his motivation, his inspiration. And, you know, you don't have to aspire to have something like that. But whatever your dream is, that's the whole point, right? And Most the whole definitely. Point that is Most definitely. Matter. Mm. And Rob, I really love the way that you were saying before that the naysayers brings things into the moment for you. Mm. Because it, it really is all about the moment. If we're not in the moment, what do we actually have? And being in the moment allows us to shape, to step up, and to be the person that we so want to be. Mm. It's about being present. I have a really firm belief these days of yesterday is something I can learn from. Tomorrow's not here, so I'm not going to worry about it. Mm. But I have what I have right now. So with everything that people will say is a challenge or a hurdle, I don't see it as a challenge or a hurdle anymore. I see it as an opportunity to learn, and I actually flip those butterflies into excitement. Mm. So I've given lots of things like that a completely different meaning. What does that allow me to do? But more importantly, what does that allow me to accomplish for my client? I have them grabbing hold of door handles and opening doors that they never knew existed. Mm. And it's when they're there that I'm actually the coach that's shoving you through the door. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put my size 10 shoe on your ass and shove you in there. Exactly. Got no choice. No, because the thing is that when when you've gone through that and then you look back, you've heard me say a couple of times in hindsight, Mm. oh, my God, hindsight is such a gift, (laughs) such a gift. If you take the time to be in the moment and really see it for what it is. Mm. I've been I've been doing some training with my daughter. Sorry to cut you off there. I just wanted to jump in before I, I, I lost that bit. And I think you'll like this. You, you know, kids at school don't get taught resilience or mental toughness. I don't, that's just the reality. Boys maybe get a little bit of it when they're playing sport and somebody, you know, if you play a contact sport, you don't have to be a boy. Girls play contact sports too. Play a contact sport and it hurts a little bit. The coach might go, you're all right. Just here's a bit of magic water dust yourself off and, and keep going. And they build a bit of physical toughness like that, but mental resilience and mental toughness that you need in the corporate world, for instance, and some of the things that you described is, is not taught. It's very, very hard. So my 12 year old daughter, Danielle, I've been going through a program with her. It's called the 12 pillars to mastering your mind, mental mastery. And it's by a guy named Brian Kane. And one of the, one of the 12 pillars is present minded focus. And he, he gives a really good analogy in there. He, he says, if you had three squares in front of you and you could put one foot on the square, your left foot on the square on the left and your right foot on the square on the right, and there was a square in the middle that you didn't have there, that's how most people operate. Most people operate with one foot in the past and one foot in the future, and then they squat down and they crap on the present. And it's a really kind of poignant example, the way that he describes it is that you're so worried about what happened to you. You're so worried about what's going to happen that you forget life is happening right now. And that's what I love about your whole philosophy that we'll get into in a sec as well. And being present minded like that and sharing that with a, with a 12 year old kid, like with a 12 year old girl, she's like, yeah, well, yeah, because she doesn't have any baggage. (laughs) <laughs> you love their innocence. I love it. Just I love, love it. it. It's beautiful. Yeah, and that, it's, it's good because you get to mold it right. Like yes. no matter what happens in your life, it doesn't matter. Like that happened, it's finished, let it go. You know, I was, I was angry with you, like properly angry with you 
two hours ago, but here we are doing this thing, laughing and fooling around and having a good time because I let it go. I don't hold on to that. And I concentrate on now and I'm not worried about what's happening tomorrow. I've got one eye on it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a responsible adult, but focus, focus in on, on here. And I, I could just see the little, little, little cogs in her mind, the wheels of thought going like that. And I'm like, now she doesn't know any different. And that you just hit it right on the head, Rob. That is just, that is gold in itself. It's a perfect time for me to share. Think of the babe that you had in your arms. Now think of the canvas that you buy to paint something because the baby that you have in your arms is that clean canvas. Mm. It's what we teach them as their primary carers that shapes who they are. And unfortunately, we don't question it. So we get to yours and my age and quite often we've never questioned it. So I work with a lot of um, creative people, actually, hairdressers in particular, and I've had a couple of them say to me, oh, but I'm shy and I don't know how to have a conversation. <laughs> what? And I what love I it. <laughs> I absolutely love it because I sit there and I go, oh, you're shy. I met this shy podcast last week too. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, right? Ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. How do you? Who told you you were shy? Who told yeah. you that, that you were shy? And you almost see the lights switch on and it is just gold. And when they start to question some of those beliefs and some of those behaviours, that's when you truly grow. Mm. And you know what? Sharing this with your daughter now, you're changing her imprint. You're helping her to know it's okay for her to question, not just little things, but to question significant things in her life. And it's okay for her to be different to somebody else, to feel something that's different. And that is a gift that, that you give her. That is a gift that she possibly won't cherish for another few years yet. <laughs> but that is a gift that you're passing on as a parent. And you know what? Good on you. We need more of that. Mm. Well, I, I, I also think sometimes I'm doing the wrong thing, but it's the ultimate no, 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 no. This is the right thing. And I feel like I'm doing the right thing. And then in my head, I'm like, my God, what am I doing to this girl? Is she going to turn 18 and be this like, oh my God, what am I, what are you, what were you thinking teaching that to her when she was 12 years old, when she's eight? I don't know, but right now it feels pretty good. So I'm going to do it, right? The thing I ask you, Rob, is when you're asking yourself, am I doing it right or doing it wrong? Who are you comparing yourself to? nobody that's the thing because i'm not sure what the outcome is and i'm comparing it to, i guess to myself i suppose that's yeah. the answer to that question but i don't really know what the result of it is because i haven't you know i i've read this brian kane stuff i listened to some audio books i watched his stuff i got inside of his socials that really connected with me and i thought that is something that i can do with danielle that would be really impactful that would stick with her and you know you just want to give your kids a better opportunity than what you had and you want to set them up for success whatever it is that they want to do in their life and I feel like that that's, that's kind of working. Mm. Yeah, well done. Well done. There's quite often when we're in that, um, in that limbo of right or wrong, we're comparing it with what we think society tells us to do. Yeah. And we're doing that on a subconscious level. Mm. And we're all doing that. And why do we do that? Because we have this huge core need of wanting to belong. Mm. We've all seen and we've all heard, heard those stories of the kids being ostracised, the parents being ostracised, all those sorts of things. We don't want to be alone. It's not a core need. Mm. It doesn't serve us. We need to know that we're connected. We need to know that we belong. It doesn't mean we have to be the same. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I, I experienced a little bit of that with her, if you allow me to, to share that. 
she has had a bit of a hard time at school where people are really hot and cold with her and with my daughter that is they're really like really nice to her at some sometimes and then sometimes they're like they just don't want to talk to her and it's like she's like what am i doing dad you know what am i doing wrong and i and i'm like i don't know you're the you're the happiest most cheerful human being i've ever met and you're so kind you're so like nice and you never say a bad word about anyone and you're just fun and i'm not saying that because i but i'm a dad and i love her she is she genuinely her personality the way you describe the little kid is, is she's she's cheerful and she comes out of a room the other day and she goes, oh, I went viral on TikTok again. And I went, oh, yeah. And she said that a couple of times over the last few weeks. And I don't know what's happening four meters behind me in that bedroom on a phone, what she's doing on TikTok. But she goes, oh, I went viral on TikTok again. Oh, yeah, whatever. I just didn't, I just didn't, just didn't pay any attention to what she was saying, not really thinking about what it was. And then her brothers came over and said, man, Danielle, you went viral on TikTok. And I went, what? Show me. And I looked and she got like 40,000 views on a video, 30,000 views on another video, 20,000 views on this one, 10,000 views on that, 8,000 views on that. And I'm like, you went viral on TikTok. Impressive. And then I, I joined a couple of dots a few days later because she came home from school and said, oh, this person did this and this person said that. And I said, I know exactly what it is. I know what it is now after because this has been going on for about six months now in TikTok, and I didn't, I didn't know she's she's nudging up against like five hundred thousand views or something. It's ridiculous. Wow. And I, I discovered okay, after your podcast, <laughs> she's crushing the podcast. I told her to wear a goal in shirt. She might, she's not allowed to. I told her move him to your Instagram. Come on, you know, set out that. So impressive numbers, right? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I said to her, I know what's wrong. These kids are jealous of you. Mm. So she goes to school one day and there's like 30,000 views on. So she comes home from school, goes by the window here with a view of the ocean and the, and the golden sunshine on her face, like at five o'clock in the afternoon when the sun's going down and she shoots these videos and she looks amazing. She's a beautiful little girl. She looks amazing. And people like, like it, comment, they watch your videos, all that stuff. It has 25,000 views overnight, goes to school the next day. Like, hi, hi. And people are like, just like scoffing at her. She's like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. And I said, ask one of them. And she, mm-hmm. she, one of the girls said, hey, you went viral on TikTok again yesterday. Like, are you buying that? How are you doing that? She's like, what? And she goes, why would you ask that? Well, how would I buy it? How would I get the money? Where would I buy that from? She like, didn't know, completely kind of naive to it. And she said, why are you jealous? And she goes, yeah, a little bit. Well, we, we want to know how you did that. And I was like, aha, the whole time you've done nothing wrong. They're just jealous of you. That's exactly and right. She's the, the naivety in the, the beauty of youth, you know, she just like friend wants to be friends with everyone, friends with the world and wants to be kind to everybody. And, you know, she's like, well, why would they be jealous of some cringy miming video of which I don't even know the words to the song and it went viral for some stupid reason? Why would they be jealous of that? And I said, I don't know, just make another viral video. don't listen to them don't listen to the naysayers that tell you that you can't and you shouldn't because you could because she wants to be an actor right and i told her the best way for you to be an actor is to build a profile build be a youtuber become an influencer build yourself a hundred thousand instagram followers and then when you go for an audition they'll google you you'll be everywhere they know what you stand for and at least you'll get a little leg up maybe doesn't mean you're going to get the audition but you'll get something you'll get a look in 
because you're somebody already and, and they're just jealous of you because you're somebody and they're, you know, in that social media world, you're someone and they're not, and they don't know how to get there. Mm. And you know, it's really kind of interesting what's happening. It's really interesting, Rob, because it, that happens more than what we actually realize. Mm. Um, and it's, it's definitely that projection of, it tells you more about the other person than it actually is telling you about your daughter. Yeah, because she's like, what are they so upset about? Like, she's just, it's cringy. The video's For her, she's normal. For yeah. her, she's normal. For her, she hasn't done anything special. She's, she's on TikTok like all the other kids are on TikTok and, mm. and Snapchat and things like that. So she's not doing anything different. It's just that the way that she's doing it, people are noticing. Mm. Mm. And that's the, that's the biggest difference. But they can't work out what she's doing. Mm. So rather than build her up and support her, Exactly. The tall poppy syndrome happens everywhere in Australia on a constant, on a constant thing. Mm. You'll notice that when you're in gatherings, the person that's quite confident and quite stable in their attitude, their mood, those sorts of things, they're the people that attract lots of people. Mm. To give you an example, I've got a a fellow lady businessman here in, in the MacArthur region. She's been in business for a very long time. And I walk into different networking functions that she's in and she, I always hear her say, oh, look at here comes Happy Jack. <laughs> Sandy's always got a smile on her face and she's always happy. But she constantly says to me, I want more of what you're on. And I say to her, I say, well, what do you think I'm on? <laughs> I'm on some too. What is it? And she says to me, what more of what you're on? Can I share with you? I'm not on anything. I'm on life. <laughs> yeah. I'm on life and Alignment I'm is what that is. You're doing what you should be doing. You're living your purpose. I yeah, I've never been so authentic in all my life as mm-hmm. what I am in each and every moment that I share now. Mm. That's all I'm on. My smile is a reflection of the relationship I have with myself. Mm. Just the same as yours. You and I have had a couple of conversations now. I love your energy. I love your smile because it's in alignment with mine. Mm. And it is a reflection of the relationship that you have with yourself. Mm, absolutely, it is, Seth. And if we can help our family members and people that cross our paths to grab hold of that for themselves, how much can we change the world? Mm. Your daughter is at a beautiful age at the moment where she's really learning to embrace her own uniqueness. Mm. Now, if she can do that for herself and she can show a fellow friend how to do that, it creates a ripple effect because that fellow friend shows somebody else that shows somebody else that shows somebody else. How can we change the way that we go through life and experience life if we have a mindset of helping others to step up, to speak up and to be who they want to be in each and every moment? It's mm, mm. beautifully, beautifully said, beautifully said. And, and I know that we're tracking in the right direction with Danielle because She said to me, why would they be jealous? What if they asked me and said, hey, can I be in a video with you? And then maybe they go viral and it helps their profile as well because these kids just want to be popular, right? And she said that at her own accord. And she's like, just baffled. Like, why would they be jealous? Why wouldn't they ask to be in a video with me? And I would make a video with them and we'd do it together and they could be viral, would be viral. And it's what you're describing there. That's the ripple effect. And she said that at her own accord. So beautiful. I, I'm tracking in the right direction there where she's doing well, helping, helping others. So it, it's really good. You, you, I want to move on from that, Sandy. You, you said something 
that really kind of resonates with me a lot. And I want to kind of have it in a bit of a fun podcasting context. And you've got this like mantra motto, these words that you say that are really empowering. And to me, they're really impactful when you hear them as well, because it means a lot to me. If I just say them to you like that, you'll go, oh yeah, kind of whatever. But if you put it in the context of what you do as a confidence coach, it just is just beautifully, beautifully articulated. So you say, speak up, step up and shine. And I want to I want to draw a line and a piece of paper. I'm, I'm going to draw down the center of the paper for the people that are listening to this. Do this in your mind's eye with me. There's a piece of paper. There's a line in the middle. There's a line at the top. So we've got a T on the paper. And on one side is the word don't. And on the other side is the word do. So what happens, Sandy, if I don't speak up? Wow. You don't have the quality of life that you're looking for. You give away your power to make decisions you create anger, you create stress, you create disappointment, you become a brat, you Mm -hmm. become unmotivated, disengaged, disruptive. You don't experience what you're supposed to experience. The universe closes off for you. I said before that you create stress. What comes from stress is illness. So if you don't speak up, you create internal illness. Mm -hmm. You rob your family and your friends, and most importantly, yourself, of who you can be, your true potential, Mm, if you don't speak up. So if we do speak up, what happens? Oh, well, take a look at this. This is what happens. You (laughs) smile brighter than you have ever smiled before in your life. And nothing else matters, right? No, nothing. the only thing that matters. (laughs) You, You say yes. And then you work out the how. You reach your potential. You walk with a, oh, you almost float. You create a sense of calmness, create a sense of warmth, of love, of gratitude. Your world is your oyster. There is no limits. There are no boundaries. When you speak up, you give people the opportunity to be the person you want them to be, to be the person they want to be. You embrace things so much more freely and openly and with a real heartfelt openness. You give people a voice that they've possibly never had before. You almost give them permission to be who they want to be. Beautifully, beautifully, beautifully articulated. So as the the podcaster and the person asking the questions, if I was going to step up, should I do that or shouldn't I do that? Oh, you most definitely should step up. Step up and identify who you want to be in this moment. So what, what, happens of, if I, what happens if I don't step up? If you don't step up, you get what you get. You might as well sit in the same box that you've been in all of your life. Mm. You will get the victim mentality. Everybody else will make things happen for you. And then when they don't happen for you the way that you want, once again, you'll create stress, disappointment, and anger. Mm. If you step up, you take charge. You accept all of the results that you have, for better, for worse. Beautifully, beautifully articulated. And I, I can hear the passion that you've, you've got for it because you've, it's really, you know, when you create a mantra for your business, it's like creating a mission statement and a vision and all of those things that you need to do, which drive everybody crazy. I don't know, maybe other people seem to be really good at that stuff. It just kind of irks me. Because I'm, I'm really practical and, and I love the practical nature of step up or speak up, step up 
And that allows you, when you do those things on the right hand side of the page, if all of those things that are there, that the laundry list of things of the do's, it allows us to shine. And that, that is just such a beautiful way to kind of round that out. Yeah. Look, what comes with the shine, Rob, is your ability to make quick decisions, your ability to commit to something, your ability to truly step up and to truly reflect and project all of you, not just a little bit of you, but all of you. And how can we change lives if we embrace all of ourselves and encourage other people to do that? Mm. All of a sudden, the jealousy goes away. All of a sudden, the anger dissipates. If you're on purpose and you're stepping authentically into who you want to be in each and every moment, you are gifting the world around you. And if we can all learn to do this, how much of a difference can we make? Mm, Absolutely. Beautifully, beautifully said, beautifully articulated. All right, Sandy, as we come to the end of the podcast here, we're just over an hour now. And thank you so very much for coming on and sharing your story and, and, and your wisdom and knowledge of the world. There's many lessons to be learned in there and it's just been value bomb after value bomb. I appreciate that. I can't let you go and I can't let you leave the go all in podcast without putting you in the hot seat. And it's a, it's a couple of quick questions. It's a little bit random in no particular order. The first one I got for you is a little bit random. It's kind of nothing to do with what we've been talking about. What's the best holiday destination that you can think of? Anywhere that's with a four-wheel drive and it's off the grid. Off the grid? Off no, the no grid. No screens allowed. No screens, no power, no toilets, no showers. Off the grid. Off grid. Camping, not glamping. Yes. Camping. Yes. Do you prefer the beach or the bush like that? Oh, the beach. Yeah. Beach every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of... Beach every time. My, my idea of camping in the scrub like that... As an infantry guy, that's kind of not fun. But I do like going camping. I do like being off the grid, and the beach is my preference too. We did Fraser Island here about uh, 15 months ago. Oh, my God. Did it for 10 days. Places on the planet, right? Oh, absolutely spectacular. Mm. And we come, when we got onto Fraser, we actually went 75Ks up the coast mm-hmm. um, and camped very much at the point of Fraser Island and did that for 10 days. And that was just, it was amazing. A way, that's a real challenge for a relationship as well, isn't it? Yeah, but it's good. Get to know each other on a different level. <laughs> really annoy me. I'm going to bury you in the beach. <laughs> I'm going to go for a walk in the scrub. See ya. There it is. There it is. I'm walking back. 100 clicks, whatever. <laughs> All right, next question. Do you have a favorite author? Oh, I do actually. Um, the favorite author is Bren Brown. Yep. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Do you have a favourite book, or do you watch the YouTube's? What, what do you like? Oh, I'm going to be a little bit, a little bit self-centred here. My favourite book is mine. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for the people listening, what's the name of your book? The Cool Confidence: The Five C's to Embrace Your Smile. Beautiful. And where can we get a copy of that? Uh, you can get that at a little boutique bookshop here at Macarthur called Facebook. Mm-hmm. Other than that, um, jump onto my website, and send me a message, and I can organise a copy. Very nice. Very nice. All right. What's a What's a skill that you haven't yet mastered? A skill that I haven't yet mastered, but I will do in the next 12 to 18 months mm-hmm. is I will present from the big stage. Very nice. Very nice. I've seen you present me. before and you are excellent at doing Thank that. You. It's Thank really, you. really polished, really concise, kept my attention. Yeah, I didn't wander off looking at my phone or looking out the window. You had my attention the whole time. 
Oh, I appreciate that greatly. Excellent, excellent. All right, last one. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Don't do it on your own. Put your hand up and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. Mm. I love that a lot. All right, Sandy, as we uh, close out the podcast, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Through LinkedIn, Facebook, through your website, what's the best way? Uh, best way to, uh, to connect with me at the moment is through my website, which is www.stairway2dreams.com.au and also through Facebook. Once again, just Stairway the Number Two Dreams. Okay, excellent. And if you're listening to this podcast on your phone, just take a peek at the show notes and the links to Sandy's website and to her face. And her socials are right there for you so you don't have to go digging around in Google for them. And if you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, just go ahead and scroll down because the links are going to be right in the show notes. And don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, to hit that subscribe button, hit the bell, and don't forget to give us a thumbs up as well because we appreciate that. Before I let you go, Sandy, have you got a parting comment for us? I most definitely do. Your smile is your responsibility. Own it, wear it, but most importantly, share it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the Goal In podcast. We really appreciate it. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. What a show i didn't want that to end but we were nudging up against an hour and 20 minutes if you want to connect with sandy please just take a peek at your phone and you'll see the links to her website and her social media right there so you don't have to go digging around for them in google they're right there and if you're watching this video on facebook or youtube just scroll down and the links are right there in the description as well while you're there don't forget to hit that subscribe button in youtube as well as always if you've got a question or a comment or you've got some feedback for the show you can reach out via the goal in socials or you can send me an email just visit goalin.com.au for more information there well that wraps it up for the show today so whatever you're working on whatever you're doing get busy get to it and go all in i'll see you next time i've been feeling so small watch the clock ticking off the wall but tonight i'm Tell
Faster. 